Jari sucks. You're not going to win a playoff series if your goaltender allows four goals in most games. Really, the Penguins are lucky to be tied at two games apiece. But it really sucks that Jari sucks because now the Marks are moaning, oh, we should have kept Flurry. I told you we should have kept Flurry. Yeah, that would be nice to have Flurry now. But let's get the scapegoats right. Because the scapegoat ain't Jim Rutherford, the former GM. Because Rutherford did what every GM would have done, and that's keep the goal who's younger and cheaper and just one, two cups. The scapegoats are, in ascending order, number three, Jari, because he sucks. If he don't suck, nobody's moaning. Number two, Mike Sullivan, the coach. Because he went back to Murray in the 2017 playoffs, when logic and recent events dictated otherwise. Flurry beat Washington in the second round when Murray was hurt. In fact, Murray Flurry was the difference in that series. Flurry stole that series against Washington. He pitched a two-zip shutout in Game 7 on the road. Flurry played great to start the next series, the conference championship versus Ottawa, allowed just two goals in two games and won a 1-0 shutout. But then he was bad in Game 3, he got lifted, and Sullivan went back to Murray because Murray was his guy, and that was always his plan, and that's fine. Murray won the series, and the Penguins won the Cup. But it isn't far-fetched to think they win that Cup anyway if Sully sticks with Flurry. Number one, Matt Murray. He's the blame. Murray was great in those two Cup wins, but then he started to suck. And nobody made Matt Murray suck besides Matt Murray. Matt Murray is the guy that screwed the pooch when it comes to the Penguins goaltending more than anybody. But the purpose of this isn't to point fingers, as fun as that may be. The purpose of this is to tell you to stop bitching about Marc-Andre Fleury. For heck's sake, that's four years ago. If you are still moaning about Marc-Andre Fleury, guess what? You just made the list! The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing needs. It does say a lot about Jari and the organization's relative lack of faith in him. To know that Jim Rutherford tried to get Flurry back from Vegas before this season. And Vegas made the right move keeping him, obviously. And, you know, look at Vegas. They played it right. They, they traded for Laner last year and re-signed him, but they said, you know what, you need two goalies. And Flurry outplayed Laner this season. Now he's number one, but they still have Laner just in case. The Penguins don't have nobody just in case. You know how I know that? Because when your starting goalie allows four goals in three of your first four playoff games, that's just in case. And yet Jari still has to play. The Penguins also screwed the pooch, firing Mike Bales as goalie coach 
in 2017 because Mike Buckley was Murray's guy. We see how that worked out. Jari is developing all the same flaws Murray had under Buckley. And you know what? Maybe Murray and Jari just both aren't very good, but I'd like to find out if a different goalie coach can make a difference if Jari doesn't start playing better like tonight. Okay, we need calls. I'm exhausted. I don't know why I'm exhausted. Probably be dead soon. 412-333-WXDX. We want hockey calls, or I'll talk about football, which leads me to bring up again. Peter King is America's premier football writer. He ranked all 32 NFL teams from 1 through 32. Guess where he ranked the Steelers? Number 19. And number 10 in the AFC, that means no playoffs. That's behind Cleveland and Baltimore. Peter King said he can't unsee how the season ended for the Steelers. But you all have. Hey, they won 11 games in a row, fat ass. Tomlin's never had a losing season, fat ass. Just you wait. Just you wait till I descend like a vulture from the Arizona sky midway through the season. Or, better yet, maybe they start off okay. Told you, fat ass. They're great again, fat ass. And then the last four games, Tennessee, Cleveland, Kansas City, Baltimore. My descent would be late, but it would be no less gratifying because it's going to end bad. Whether it goes bad all year, I do not know, but it's going to end bad. That's just not a good football team. But I suppose you know more than Peter King. I suppose you know more than Jason Luckenfora. I suppose you know more than Pro Football Focus. I suppose you know more than Mike Greenberg. And don't tell me what the local media says because while the local Steelers media is better when it comes to getting the facts right, the local Steeler media is also a bunch of stooges and sellouts. So there's that. Let's go to Paul in Finleyville. Paul, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Hello, Paul. Um, uh, what would you think about switching Carter and Malkin um, as centers in the second and third line? Switching their lines or making one line the second line or in the other line the third line? I don't get what you mean. Uh, moving Carter up to the second line, moving Gino down to the third line. Okay, what good would that do in your mind? Uh, Carter would create space for Kapanen. Uh You got McCann shooting for Malkin, and I think it'd, it'd create space in both places. McCann shooting for Carter, too. McCann and Carter have been a pretty good combination. The only way I would be in favor of moving Carter off his line and away from center would be to play with Sid, because I believe that if Sid doesn't get going, this series doesn't get won by the Penguins. That's right. And don't forget, Gino's line is playing more third-line minutes. I don't have the minutes in front of me. But I know Gene only played, what, 12 minutes in, in game three, his first game back. So uh, it's not like there's a big disparity in the minutes is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes more sense that uh, they're getting about the same amount of time, second and third line. Yeah. The, like I said, the only way I'd make a switch would be to jumpstart Sid. I don't know if Gino's going to play a lot better than he has. I just think that knee's just not in good shape. Right. And he's not to be blamed for that, although 
A lot of people are. I mean, it tells you an awful lot when I am the one on Twitter telling people to get off Gino's ass. Because obviously I am a guy with a track record of criticizing Gino. But uh, I think he's doing his best. I just think his knee ain't what they would like it to be. 412-333-WXDX. I got the box score up from that game on Saturday. That loss to the Islanders. Let's see here. Carter played 16 minutes. Gino played 16 minutes. So, yeah, there's not a lot of disparity in minutes there. Gino played 20 seconds more to be exact. Bluger played 12 minutes. Sid played 16 minutes. So, there you go. That's about as close to rolling four lines as you're going to get, really. Okay, now it's time to ask Mark Henning because we got the Hockey Night Show at 5.30 featuring uh, Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network. Uh, but ask Mark Editing right now by dialing 412-333-WXDX. Don't forget, I will be tonight at Caliente Pizza and Draft House in Aspenwall to watch the Penguin game. Going to give away a signed Jake Gunsel t-shirt, some other Chotskis to, to put on y'all, and great pizza, great Coors Light, great hockey. So stop on to Caliente's night in Aspenwall. And then on Wednesday, I'm at the Schoolhouse Tavern in in uh in uh, Claridge, PA, which is near Murraysville. How I'm going to get there by puck drop, well, I'll figure it out, but it's going to be a lot of fun there as well. Ask Mark anything, 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I would want total and absolute autonomy. Hey, Mark, great show. Are you part psychic? Well, I'm actually more neurotic than psychic. The X at 105.9. Time to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by Fox Bet. Make the call and download the app today. Somebody asked me advice about tonight's Penguins game. Uh, I might bet over because I don't trust the goalies. But in terms of picking a winner, I decline. Let's go to Jimmy and Scottdale. Jimmy, you're on with Double M. Mark. Yep. If Ben had played hockey instead of football, what position would he have played, and how would he have done? Quarterback. He'd have done good. Let's go to Marlon in Greensburg. Marlon, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Hey, I don't doubt that you're a super genius, but I do have a quick IQ question for you. April wine or cold November rain? How's that an IQ question? April wine was a band, cold November rain or more specifically, November Rain was a song by Guns N' Roses. I don't get what you're asking me to say. Well, you, you just have to choose one. I choose to hang up. Leaves the line open at 412-333-WXDX. Let's go to Sean and Cranberry. Sean, you're on with Double M. Hey, what's up, Mark? What's up, Mike? Hey, I, th- I think uh, regardless of what Sully does tonight with the you know changing up the lines, I think uh, he's got to do a better job of managing Gino's minutes. He was top three and forward time on ice last game. I don't think his game is at a place where it warrants that type of ice time. Yeah, desperate times <laughs> call for desperate measures. Did you think Teddy Bluger was going to help him catch up? 
No, but at least that line brought some energy every when they needed it in game three. Yeah, you got to come from behind, though, when you trail, and Teddy Bluger's line is probably not going to help you do that as well as I think they played. But, uh, you know, I mean, you got to use them. I mean, it, it's about winning. It's about trying to win. And, again, if you're desperate – I, playing Geno 16 minutes, I got no problem. I might have played Sid more yep. than his 16 minutes. Let's go to Noah in Gibsonia. Noah, you're on with Double M. Hey, what's going on, Mark? What's up, man? So I, I saw your call about switching up the lines, and I don't disagree with you about the first line, but I found it interesting that, that you would put Rust on the third line. Um, and I know Rust has got experience with Geno on the second line, and even though Zucker's paid like a second liner, he more plays like a third liner. Um, I think I'd put Rust on the second line instead of Zucker. What say you? Rust is a right wing, Zucker's a left wing. I feel like Rust has played both sides. Okay, what about Zucker? You put him at right wing for a little bit this year, he couldn't do it. It's a, it's a dumb idea, Brock. Goodbye. Let's go to John in Bridgeville. John, you're on with Mark. Hey, I just want to make one last dish effort here for Bob Dylan. Um, Bob Dylan wrote All Along the Watchtower, which Jimi Hendrix beautifully remastered and covered can you give him a little credit for that no i don't let's go uh, dylan stinks goodbye let's go to lou on neville island lou you're on with double m uh forgive the obvious question but do you think uh, part of sullivan's reluctance to change the top line is because he looks at it as a 2-2 series and that would almost him admitting that yeah they're the better team if we don't change something we can't beat them i don't care what i admit if it's the thing that gives me a better chance to win the series. Sometimes you have to look in the mirror and realize what your team is and where it is right now, especially, and make adjustments. If you go at them head on, emphasizing your strengths and the way you've played all year, that's fine. But what if you lose? And what if they did, did the same thing to you in a series two years ago? So the evidence is that he has to do something. I don't think he will until game six, and by then it may be too late. I don't think he will even then. But hopefully they win tonight and it's all moot. Let's go to Nick in Finleyville. Nick, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How's it going? What up? Hey, first off, I want to tell you there is a Tim Hortons. It's down in Washington by the Meadows Casino. Yeah, there's a Waffle House down there, too. You're right. In fact, I was down near Washington, uh, in Washington, in fact, on Saturday, but did not have time to stop it either. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> um what uh, what kind of chicken wing is your favorite, and where from? I think that's a cliched question, but it's uh, the one named after me, Big Sexy, which is hot buffalo parm with ranch dust, and you get it at Big Shot Bob's. Let's go to Nick in the car. Nick, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mr. Madden. How are you? What's up? Uh, I saw you down at the club championships this weekend. I was wondering what your take was on it. Uh, it wasn't the same without the Canadian teams there, and I was a bit surprised the New Jersey team won, but I had a good time, and uh, I love watching uh, high-caliber deck hockey. I love watching deck hockey, period. I totally agree. Um, did you get a chance to see any of the 16U girls while you were there? Uh, I, I did not. I was pretty busy and running around, but uh, I'm sure it was great. Let's go to Andrew in Tampa. Andrew, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Did Moneyball do a good job of portraying Art Howe? No, uh, incredibly inaccurate. Made him into a villain, and I know it's a movie, and every movie needs a villain, 
But Moneyball was just, it was a good movie and I enjoyed it, but it was a joke. I mean, they never even mentioned in the entire movie Mulder, Zito, and Hudson, who were three of the best ten pitchers in baseball that year, and they acted like uh, Scott Hatterberg walking a lot while playing first is the reason they won all those games in a row. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I was younger when this all went down, so I just wasn't sure if that was correct portrayal of him with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, he did a good job acting the role. It was not an accurate portrayal. Let's go to Rick in Brighton Heights. Rick, very quickly, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. I just wanted to ask you, uh, as a guy carries around a few extra pounds himself, your best diets you've been on, your worst diet. The only one that on. the only one that's worked for me is Nutrisystem, the one I'm on now. I have had some moderate uh-huh. success with uh, with the Atkins diet, but Nutrisystem is the one that works for me. Okay, up next, more hockey talk with Brian Metzger of the Penguins Radio Network. It's the Penguins and Islanders tonight. Mike Lang on the call here at all right here on the X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You live by the ass, you die by the ass. Well, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that subject. Wait a minute. Prostitution's illegal? The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. We got the Penguins and Islanders tonight. Here all the action right here on 105.9. Joining me now to talk cocky, we'll hear him a bit later on this very station. From the Penguins Radio Network, the intermission and post-game host, he is Brian Metzer. Metz, uh, where do you weigh in on Tristan Jari? He's allowed four goals in three of the four games. I keep hearing it's not his fault, but that's still too many goals. It definitely is too many goals, and uh, I, I kind of fall on both sides of it, mainly because you can see where flaws in front of him have helped get some of those goals in the net. But at the same time, and I know you felt this way about a couple in the last game, just following some of your tweets, etc. he's got to find ways to keep those pucks out of the net. That's what he's paid to do. I just would like to see people not knock people into him, people actually make a defensive play. But at the end of the day, it is his job to stop the pucks, and you can't let up four and win in the playoffs. So hopefully he finds a way to, to just be a little bit more solid and, and get it back down to one, two, maybe even three goals. Because this team, if they start cashing in, on some of the opportunities they had specifically in the first three games, they're going to put some goals in. Yeah, I, I, I think so too, although they didn't get many opportunities in game four, which we'll talk about in a moment. But one thing that really bothers me about Jari is the minute he gets touched, he goes down. He can't tough it out and stay on his feet when there's traffic. And i got to tell you, Mets, even when Matt Murray struggled, as he did mightily during the end of his tenure, he always managed to battle through traffic and keep his eye on the puck. Yeah, couldn't you make a case, Mark, that, that uh, Murray almost put himself in harm's way because he was kind of an SOB in there. He would just kind of knock guys with his body a little bit and try and jockey for position. I think you're onto something there with Jari. I haven't seen him do that a whole lot. He, um, he went through some phases you know, early this series of being a little bit small in the net to begin with. I thought he turned that around and got a little bit more upright was a little bit more aggressive in the next couple of games in a good way, but he's not doing that when there's a lot of traffic. So you can make a case that they should try and clear that area, but in the playoffs, even when you're trying to clear that spot, there's going to be bodies there. You've got to be able to work through that, and you're right. I mean, Matt Murray did a really good job of reading plays. I think he was very cerebral in that way, that he could kind of think one step ahead of the passer, even though he didn't always make the best play in net on the play that came his way. I don't know that we're seeing that from Jari yet. And I, I think if if this falters in this playoff series or even beyond and Jari has some of these things that you can be critical of, 
I really do think they need to scrutinize that goaltending coach position because I haven't seen goalies kind of leap forward the way that they did under the previous regime's goaltending coach. And now you're, you're seeing a guy that's almost had guys regress under his watch. Are you surprised Barry Trotz, the Islanders coach, has gone to Sorokin, the rookie, after the season Varlamov had? I was surprised to see him uh, maybe in game one whenever Varlamov was his starter. But when he went out and he played that game pretty effectively, got the win, uh, and then he didn't go back to him, that was shocking to me. To see him come in after Varlamov got lit up a couple of times, I wasn't shocked there. And unfortunately for the Penguins, this last game four looked an awful lot like the 20-save shutout he put together against them in the regular season. I hope they find a way to get to the five goals on nine shots or whatever it was in his other outing in the regular season against them. But it's, it's kind of an interesting thing, Mark, because if Sorokin ends up getting lit up here by chance by the Penguins, do you go back to Varlamov? I don't know that they can do that. And then he has himself a goaltending situation on his hands. And that would be a problem that Trotz created for himself with the way, the way he handled these guys through the first four or five games. Sullivan is leaving his lines intact. Would you have considered any changes? And if so, what? Um, it, it's hard to really shuffle the deck. And if I was going to do it, I would think of trying to find somebody else for Gino's line in the Zucker spot, even though he got himself a goal. Because the top line in general, I know they haven't produced a ton in this series, very, very uh, little, if that, but they're getting a ton of looks still. I mean, you have Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. Uh, Jake has 19 shots, Sid has 14, and Brian Rust actually has a you know, goal in the series. So it's like when you look at this, I wouldn't have broken that one up. I still like the Carter McCann Gaudreau line. And of course, Bluegers are in Tanev is what it is. But to do uh, to make a change, I think it would have been on Geno's line, and maybe it would have been moving someone off of the Bluger line into one of those wing slots to get them a little bit more energy or passion. Not to say they're not getting that from Zucker, but he just does not finish enough to play with a guy like Geno or a guy like uh, Kasperi Kapanen. I got to get a finisher on that line for my liking, Mark, and I don't see one right now. Uh, that's getting it done in that left-wing spot. So I would have tried to put somebody different in there. Well, what about Sid's line? Because I think they're being overwhelmed physically, and I would have moved Carter there to right wing. Well, that would be a great look just because of his size. It also gives you another face-off option. And to be honest, he's been one of the Penguins' best face-off options in this series. Did uh, Gino and Bluger have not been that dynamic so far? I thought Jeff Carter had a 70% game, but beyond that, uh, the other three have been kind of getting chewed up. So that would give you somebody that could even take a draw for Sid, if need be. And I think he's been the Penguins' best player since he got here. I mean, among them anyway, the way he's playing offense. And that would be an interesting look. So um, it, it's something that maybe you could double shift Sid a couple times to give a look like that. Just kind of make a couple Frankenstein shifts with moving guys around. But I just, knowing how Mike Sullivan is, Mark, and I know... Um, you joked about this with a tweet saying you were going to write about their lines and it wouldn't change, but you were going to write about it anyway. That's kind of where I felt. We all know how he is. He's such a creature of habit. Well, he well, Mets really and how Sid is, too. Sid doesn't want his line disrupted yeah. at all. Correct. It's two creatures of habit, the coach and the, and the captain, and they're both on the same page. So um, I, I, I'm not shocked that he didn't break up that top line. I think we're going to see that stay intact unless they go – into another round here and still continue to not score. But for, for Mike Sullivan's money, I think he's looking at them and thinking being physical with them or not, they're getting their opportunities and getting looks. And he keeps talking like, oh, Jake Gensel's due to break through at any moment. Did due to break through at any moment. 
And I really wish he would have been able to put that deflection in in game one that Sorokin got a toe on on the power play because they probably end up winning game one. The Penguins have a 3-1 lead here, and we're looking at this series in a complete different way. Now, what about Gino? Uh, I thought he was good in game three. I thought he was crap in game four. But I'm not pointing fingers because I think he's at far less than 100%. Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, I think we're naive, or everyone's naive who thinks he is 100%. I think his knee, we're going to hear that there's a surgery or something the minute the season does end for this team, be it in a victory or a loss. Um, he, He looked very ginger, Mark, in the first playoff game when he was moving around. I didn't think he looked like himself. He bounced back a little bit. He got the two assists in a game, and I thought he was starting to round into a little bit more of a Geno-esque form, but he does not look like himself. And it's almost as if uh, he he can't move the way he wants to. So I hope that it continues to progress. I know he's playing with a brace on his knee. And I I make the case that nobody was really what they needed to be in, in game four, Mark. It was a really ugly spot for them. They allowed themselves to get pulled into a, an Isles S game where it was kind of defensive. They didn't really make Sorokin work all that hard. Yes, he made some very good uh, first saves on shots, but there weren't there weren't there wasn't traffic. There wasn't great second opportunities, and that goes with Gino's line too. Uh, he, he just he didn't look like himself, and he, I don't think he's going to throughout these playoffs unless they find some sort of Miyagi esque way to get the hot hands on that knee. Uh- what is going to happen tonight, and where do you think the series goes from here, Mets? I'll be honest, I see no way this series doesn't go seven games. Well, I think tonight ultimately determines that. Uh, and when I say that, it's because if the Penguins win this game, I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to just go on the road and close it out. I picked them to win this in six to begin with, and I'm going to stick with that. I don't want to hedge my bet now. But if they lose this game, I mean, I, I do believe they would force a game seven and then maybe even lose it. This Isles team, for whatever reason, they just hang like a specter over the Penguins anymore. And I don't know if it's just playoff losses of old, if it's Barry Trotz, who's now gone 2-0 and against Mike Sullivan in his last two playoff series ever since he lost those two in Washington when the Pens won the Cup twice. But there's something about Trotz, this Islanders team, that – gives the Penguins a little bit of a headache. And I'm a little shocked that it's happening the way it is in the playoffs or that they're allowing it to happen based on how well they did against them in the regular season. And I think when I say that, they look probably better against them because they almost had a blitzkrieg of games against them just over a couple-week span and, pro- and collected most of their wins in that period of time before the Islanders are who they are today. So uh, it, it looks like a seven-gamer, but I'm going to stick with six. I still believe the Penguins have it in them to find a way to win two games but it requires a win tonight, and I do feel good about this game on home ice. Yeah, I I do too, but uh, I'm with you. I kind of think they win tonight and lose game six, although if they win tonight, yeah, they could, I mean, mathematically, it's pretty obvious, could close it out. Uh, What's your take on Boston closing Washington out so soon? And uh, it's Washington's third straight loss in the first round. That could happen to the Penguins as well. Uh, I don't know where either team goes from here. Washington, it's already happened to Penguins if that happens. It's wild to think that there's not as much um, criticism, I think, going the Caps' direction for going out in the first round for a third consecutive year. I know I'm hearing a lot of people talk about uh, this was not necessarily a window closer for them, but a new-look Caps team could be on the ice next year. I'm very curious to see how things play out with the Ovechkin uh, contract this offseason. I know he doesn't have an agent. He kind of handles this on his own. So they'll find a way to get it done, but they're going to have to move bodies out to. Uh, well, yeah, and funny you mentioned that, though, Mets. Here's something I just heard. 
I heard that Ovi's not going to sign till after the expansion draft because then they don't have to protect him. Oh, that's a good call, though. That's kind of uh, why you'll probably see the Penguins wait on guys like Cody Ceci and everything, who by no means should be mentioned in the same sentence with Alex Ovechkin. But you know what I mean. Uh, but I, I, I like the way the Bruins came out all guns blazing. They let the Caps take that first game and reeled off four. And I know you, you may agree with me here. The Caps had a lot of trouble with the speed that the Bruins suddenly have after the trade deadline. It gave them a lot of headaches. And that's why I like the matchup of a Penguins team against the Capitals. I thought the same thing would be on display. I hate the matchup right now if the Penguins do advance going up against this Bruins team that look, that look deep, they look hungry, they look physical, they take those little chip shots at you and cheap shots, but they can score on all four lines at this point. I know it wasn't always evident in that series, but I think they're very deep now, and that's a headache for a lot of these teams in this East Division. Matt's good stuff. Enjoy the game. You too, Mark. I look forward to watching it, and I always enjoy these chats. Thanks for having me. That's Brian Metro of the Penguins Radio Network. Uh, the Hockey Night Show is brought to you by GitGo. GitGo Cafe and Market now located in Section 116 at PPG Paints Arena. And I can go for some GitGo coffee right now. Not far behind Dunkin' Donuts. In fact, it might be a dead heat. Emphasis on the heat. Uh, 4123. Dunkin' Donuts ain't got no tater tots, I can tell you that. 412-333-WXDX. Time not to ask Mark anything, but only about hockey. How can you want to talk about anything else? Pens and Islanders tonight, game five, very pivotal. Call now. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you feel. Tell me who's going to win. Tell me where the series goes from here. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Hey. How you doing, buddy? Let me check. Let me see what I'm wearing today. Yep, my shoes cost more than your house. The X at 105.9. It's the Hockey Night Show. we got the Penguins Network pregame up next. Don't forget, I'm a Caliente Pizza and Draft House in Aspenwall tonight for the game. Here's a tweet from Garrett. Cosby and Latang are arguably as good as they've ever been. Malkin has deteriorated, and that's a big problem. The Penguins' issues are the role players and not the stars. Still scored plenty of goals this year. Uh, Latang's been the Penguins' best player in this series. Uh, Crosby has one goal and no assists, and that speaks for itself. He's got to do better. Malkin's hurt right now. Has he deteriorated as an elite player? I don't think he's adjusted to his age. I think Crosby has the game totally figured out for whatever point he's at in his career and conditioning, which is still elite. And I think Latang put a concerted effort this year into adjusting his game because he wants to stay and he knew he had new bosses to impress. But Sid's got to do more. You've got to get more than a goal in three games for the guy. You just do if you want to win. That's no knock on him. He gives his damnedest every shift, but you need more. Let's go to George and Shaler. George, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, real quick. Uh, we're down here. We're ready to pull into the uh, parking garage at the game. I want your thoughts on uh, Mike Sullivan's kind of refusal to uh, be flexible mid-game flow in these playoff-type scenarios. Uh, regular season, that's great, but... Right now, we need things that work. Throw the blender out there, right? See, see where the match Well, no, make decisions judiciously. And if he's mm-hmm. determined to stay with his line combinations, I would hope if things go sour or if they're just not you know, doing much offensively that they make some changes in the second period at the latest. All right, brother. Hey, from one Shaler guy to another, hey, have a great night tonight out of Caliente. Don't come to me with your problems. Uh, Funky Town tweets... Funky Town. Did the Penguins need to score more or less than four goals to win tonight? 
Well, put it this way. I'm not betting on tonight's game in any way, shape, or form, but a buddy of mine asked for advice on who I liked. And the only bet I would feel comfortable making for tonight's game would be betting the over, which I haven't seen because I'm not going to bet. I'm sure it's five and a half goals like every other friggin' game. But I would bet over five and a half if I had to make a wager on tonight's game because I don't trust either goalie. I'm real down on Jari. You may have ascertained that listening today. And Sorokin's a rookie, even though he played a lot in the KHL. So I think it may take four to win, yes. It may take four just to send it to overtime. Adrian tweets, do you think Malkin has done as an elite goal scorer? Depends what you mean by elite. I think Malkin is still, when healthy, a point-per-game producer and can be that moving forward. Zach tweets, why does Zucker keep getting chances in the top six? Okay, who would you put in the top six in this place? Seriously, let's look at the left wings. Genslin Zucker, right? McCann's on the third line, but he plays real well with Carter. So what change would you make? Would you bump up Zach Aston Reese? Would you move Tanev over from right wing? I wouldn't. I just keep Zucker there and keep hoping. And if he does not fulfill my hopes, then I leave him unprotected and hope Seattle takes him. And that's as blunt as I could possibly be. Somebody tweeted, you don't like Bob Dylan, but I heard Mario likes Bob Dylan. Are you allowed to disagree with Mario? First off, I am allowed to disagree with Mario. Second, I doubt that Mario Lemieux even knows who Bob Dylan is. Penguins Network pregame up next, 105.9.